Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench this Sunday. A lot to bring you on this evening's show. We hear from Cork manager John Cleary and his counterpart Jack O'Connor after last night's win for the Kingdom in the Munster semi-final in Porky Rin. John McCarthy also joins us to discuss the game. Douglas Hall have won the FAI Youth Cup. We hear from their manager Derek Walden. Later on we'll hear from an emotional Johan van Gran after Munster's loss to lose on place kicks yesterday at the Aviva Stadium. What an emotional turmoil of a match that was and uh, you'll hear later Van Grand tears up a small bit especially talking about Peter O'Mahony's performance Sarah McKenzie talks Formula 1 and tonight's race in Miami the first ever and we round up the day's action plus loads more all coming up before 7 Aidan Lee here with you until 7 on Cork's Red FM on the Big Red Bench 0868-104-106 if you want to get in touch and at Big Red Bench on Twitter also. Uh, let's start off with the couple of games in the GAA and Dunny Goller into this year's Ulster Senior Football Championship final. They beat Cavan 216 to 16 points in Clonus and uh, really Cavan deserved a lot more out of that game and two, um, two lucky enough goals for Dunny Goll uh, getting the job done there. Conor O'Donnell and Paddy McBrear uh, were the ones who put the ball in the, in the net for Declan Bonner's side um, and certainly didn't do a lot for uh, Donegal's credentials in terms of being an All-Ireland contender which a lot of people had tipped them to be over the last couple of weeks after their recent performances. Um, elsewhere Galway enjoyed a 4.20 to 8 points win over Leitrim in their Connacht semi-final at Pierce Stadium. Massive, massive win for Galway on the back of beating Mayo in the quarter-final of course. They now face Ross Common in the cider in three weeks' time of course a repeat of the Division 2 final there. Tyrone beat Kerry by two points in the second All-Ireland Under-20 Football Championship semi-final today. 114 to 112 the final scored on Moore Park. Tyrone go on to face Kildare now in the decider and it's I think 13 years now. It will be 13 years next year uh, since Kerry were last in the decider in the under-20s. Uh, Declan Sullivan of course former Kerry footballer. Uh, currently the manager of that squad. They defeated Cork earlier in the Munster Championship. Uh, Limerick survived a first half scare to beat Tipperary by 8 points in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship today what a game at the Gaelic Grounds 321 to 22 points the final score um, I went away for 10 minutes to do something to do a bit of a recording um, for another show and um, it was 117 to one, or it was 17 points to 112 when I left the screen and 10 minutes later I came back and uh, Limerick were ahead by 8 points I think they scored 2-8 in the in the time I was away uh, from the TV so they just turned it on like that uh, Tipperary put in a great shift but uh, Limerick just weren't firing and all of a sudden they found that gear and they took off a massive scoring 321 um, when they basically only played for about a 10-15 minute spell uh, three wins from three for John Kiley's side they're into the Munster final and into the All-Ireland Championship of course um, pretty much by default obviously um, in the Red FM Hurling League Division 1 in Group B can Turk beat Bride Rovers 4-16 to 12 points on to the football Manchester City are 3-0 up on Newcastle with 73 minutes gone uh, Peter Smith reports on the third goal from the Etihad 
City 3, Newcastle 0. The third goal coming on the hour from a left-wing corner from De Bruyne into the near post area. Rodri pulled away from his man to score with a downward header. It's City 3, Newcastle 0. Yeah, and a big game in the race for top four as uh, Arsenal beat Leeds 2-1 earlier this afternoon. Leeds manager Jesse Marsh will feel he can still lift his players to fight for survival because this game could have ended so much worse for them. 2-0 down after 10 minutes with two goals scored by Eddie Nketiah. One, a terrible goalkeeping mistake and they had their captain Luke Ayling sent off midway through the first half. But Diego Lorente pulled the goal back in the second half. Their confidence could have been dented much worse. It finished Arsenal 2, Leeds 1. Yeah, Leeds now in a bit of relegation trouble and it's probably now between them and Burnley because Everton beat Leicester City 2-1 at the King Power. It finished Leicester City 1, Everton 2. What a massive three points for Everton in their quest to avoid relegation from the Premier League. First half strikes from Mikalenko and Holgate. Either side of a Pats and Daka goal sealed all three points. Leicester dominated possession, but Everton always looked dangerous on the counter. Frank Lampard will also be thankful to his keeper, Jordan Pickford, who made some brilliant second-half saves, particularly from Harvey Barnes and Papi Mendy. Everton still in a relegation battle, but for tonight, they're out of the bottom three with games in hand over their rivals as well. You can hear what it means to their fans in the background. They finished Leicester City 1, Everton 2. Yeah, we'll hear a bit later on from uh, Frank Lampard and uh, we'll also hear from, from Mikel Arteta as well. That That's coming up later on in the show. Uh, West Ham have beaten Norwich by four goals to nil in the Premier League. Of course, Norwich already relegated. Uh, it's a strange uh, psychological um, crossroads, I suppose, for those Norwich players. I'm sure some of them will probably be playing for contracts, um, but it didn't look like they, they, they were up to much today. Guy Swindles was at Carroll Road. Norwich nil, West Ham 4 the Hammers wrapping this up before half time when they scored 3 times twice mistakes by Tim Krul to allow in Ben Rama for the first and Antonio for the second Ben Rama scored a cracking second for him and a third for West Ham just before the break, second half all about handballs, first Norwich thought they got back in it, only for former Hammer Sam Byrons to have judged brought the ball down with his hand after Fabianski dropped a corner and he hammered home and then at the other end from a West Ham corner Sorensen was seen by VAR to punch the ball behind as he went in to challenge Dawson from the penalty, Lanzini made it four, simple after that Norwich nil, West Ham four well, Rangers might be in the Europa League final and the Scottish Cup final, but they probably won't be winning the Scottish Premiership. But at least they did stave off Celtic's uh, coronation for another couple of days at least. They beat Dundee United 2-0 at Ibrox and Celtic now have to wait until Wednesday night to be confirmed as champions of Scotland. Um, looking at the WSL in England, Chelsea came uh, from behind... Uh, to beat Manchester United 4-2 and win their third consecutive Women's Super League title. Um, Arsenal were 2-0 winners at West Ham and briefly went top of the table but uh, finished one point behind Emma Hayes' side. Now we move on to last night's big game at Parky Rin. I was there myself. Um, I gave a few updates last night um, on the big red bench Rory was hosting here. Um 
good atmosphere, I have to say. It was a good place for a game, Parky Rin. I didn't know what to expect of it. I hadn't been there before. Um, but it was good old, good old set up in, in fairness. And a uh, nice split of the crowd, 50-50 and uh, in the sunshine as well. And for about 55 minutes, we got a very, very good game. And uh, we're going to hear from Cork manager John Cleary giving his thoughts after uh, what turned out in the end to be quite a heavy defeat. Look, the better team won on the day. Uh, I suppose our lads were asked for a performance and in fairness, look, they left everything out there. Um, and eventually, just we were beaten by the better team and, and they wore us down and they just they were bringing all-stars off the bench there and, you know, they kicked great scores. And uh, But from our point of view, look, uh, our lads put in a huge shift and another day we might have got a few more scores and we didn't. But um, we were beaten by the better team and just hold the hand up and, and uh, we the best of luck to carry because it's uh, the team that beats them you know won't be far off when you're not out in this year everyone put their bodies on the line particularly there in the opening half yeah without a doubt because look we knew if this Kerry team got a run at you like three, there could be two or three goals gone and you could be you, you know you could be really facing an embarrassing defeat and I think you know the very fact was here in front of the home fans great atmosphere and everything like that everyone inside before the game they said look we'll give it as we'll go for as hard as we can as long as we can and like you know, Ian McGuire there and Sean Potter probably shouldn't have been out there at all and you know they led the thing there and they gave everything and I think the other lads then rode in behind it so look well, well beaten we'd have to be uh, I wouldn't say happy with the display but proud the way that the lads put their bodies on the line and the injuries came back again tonight Michal A. Martin off in the first half yeah incredible like you know um, this this group seems to be really uh, poxed with, 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 with getting injuries so you know um, like in fairness and Chris Kelly or so good he got injured there a couple of weeks ago as well so you know it, it was um, Dylan now and in fairness like he was thrown in at the deep end completely and uh, you know but he, you know there was no goal went past him and, and uh, but Kerry pushed up on the kick out and made it very hard for us and you know um, Kevin Flav out had, had a heroic game there and, and David Clifford he got injured in the end and looks like a serious injury so you know that's that's the nature of it but it seems to affect this squad more than most and it's just unlucky that going home again now with two bad injuries you know Compared to last year, John, it is a big improvement, isn't it? Like I suppose it is in in that you know I suppose last year, looking from outside the world, Cork were very competitive up until half time, and it went away from. And I suppose maybe we were competitive for 55 minutes here. You know, uh, we still got beaten by 12 points. And uh, but you know I don't think at any time that Kerry actually ripped through us, and and um, like we had some heroic defending there in in the back line at times. And I thought we should maybe have maybe four or five points more that would have um, made it a small bit more respectable but look I couldn't fault any you know I couldn't fault any of the lads for lack of effort that, that, that wasn't there In fairness Sherlock and Carl Manny kicked some magnificent scores didn't they in fairness? It did each and sure that's what they can do you know what I mean they're, 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 they're class forwards and um, you know they missed a few as well like which would be hopefully opening and I know the, in the, on, on the next few days but like some of them like were out of the top drawer and they were under big pressure a lot of time when they were kicking kicking them because like this carry back line now doesn't concede that much and um, so they were we, we kicked some good scores probably missed a few as well um, 
and but look Kerry got, got the important scores when it mattered John you spoke during the week about the importance of gambling maybe with players that are injured and maybe not gambling I suppose or not putting the band for the for the long run how yeah. do you think the two lads coming in Potter and Maguire yeah look you know they'd be the two leaders of the team I thought Potter was heroic there particularly in the first half there he cut out balls there and even in the second half he blocked he harried he brought balls out of defence and you know he just ran out of steam because he hadn't trained in the last maybe four or five weeks and, and um, like Ian's hand wasn't wasn't probably right, but you know he kept battling to the end there, and he was he was the organizer and the leader there. Particularly in the first half, he was getting by back boys back there to to defend in front of the goal and put put Kerry under under a lot of pressure, which we did. And um, so look from that point of view, they were mad they were they were mad anxious to play like uh, up to Wednesday. I thought Ian had no hope, and then he came in Wednesday night. He said, "Look, can you you know see how it goes here tonight?" And and he declared himself fit. So we we we, we threw him in and took a gamble with him, you know. There's obviously a layoff, John, now for what nearly a month until the uh, the first round of the of the qualifiers. Stiff competition awaits you. That's right, John. There's only 16 teams in it this year, I think now, so there'll be no easy draw. And I suppose the big thing now is is to try and build in this. But you know, it's it's probably no use having a heroic defeat or as we call it but it was still by 12 points and, and we'll have an awful lot to work on but look there was lads blooded there today that came in um, John Cooper uh, Rory Maguire I thought you know had, had very good games for their first day out at this level and look hopefully on the other side we might have an injury or two back um, but probably Michal Martin now and Kevin Plav are gone for the next day so we'll have to dip into the reserve but in fairness there's lads that didn't get in there that have put in a fierce effort and I know they're they're, they're probably not too happy that they didn't get in uh, so so look, we'll have to use the panel. That's the way it goes, and and but we'll need all the month now to to prepare for the next game. Yeah, as I said, like it was a tight game for for a, for the first fifty or so minutes, and there was a stage where it was eleven points to ten. We'll hear later on. We're talking uh, to Jerm McCarthy um, as Newcastle go close there in the Premier League. But uh, there was a stage where Cork got back. Colin Mahoney put it over the bar, eleven points to ten, and then Kerry just opened it up and found another gear and and left uh, Cork in the dust. Um, we'll hear from the victorious manager, uh, Kerry boss Jack O'Connor. Yeah, look, the game panned out more or less the way we predicted. We expected a big battle from Cork because, you know, with all the controversy over the game being played here, they had no option but to battle, and they did that in fair play to them. They gave us a great a great battle for 50 minutes. I think there was only a point in it after 50 minutes. So we needed, you know, all our experience, which, you know, off the bench to, to, to see out that game. But I think it, it, the last quarter, the big difference was we we got on top of Cork's kick out and, and the floor position. Um, I don't have the stats to hand over. I think we, we we must have won a high percentage of cock kicks, uh, kick goals in the second, in the, particularly in the last quarter. I think that was the that was, that was the story of the scoreline in the end. You were happy to have gotten that 50, 55 minute test. That, that you know. Yeah. Look, that's the way we that's the way we predicted. As we we, we wanted to get a, a, a we felt we'd get a good battle up here. We got that, and we we got out of here with with a decent result. Uh, but knowing that we had plenty of rust in that performance and we'd have to improve hopefully the game will bring us on players look sharp Jack I suppose would you say what happened in November 2020 probably sharpened them to last about not, not to yeah you can yeah, yeah Jason yeah you can talk about that but you know if you're not sure the players believe in you like um, but you know the, we were just focused on you know putting in a good performance 
knowing that Cork were going to you know bring a lot of energy and, and, and all the rest of it to it but look happy enough in hindsight now it was the right thing to do to come up here and play the game it was a nice occasion I enjoyed it I'm sure the crowd enjoyed the game because they really got stuck into it for long parts of that game and uh, happy enough to get out here with a decent result I suppose look the prize is a monster final in Killarney regardless well, yeah. of the result next weekend well yeah absolutely yeah. looking forward to that now we like playing Killarney the, the Kerry people like watching games in Killarney so really looking forward to that and so all the players Jack Sean O'Shea took over the freeze from David Clifford there in the second half was there a reason for that or was it just between the players I thought no, maybe David kicks some from this side and Sean he kicks some from okay. is that is that not the way it panned out <laughs> maybe maybe my eyesight is, is going a bit um, I, w- I, w- I, w- I wouldn't think so no not too bad not too bad we had we got a share of injuries there after the league final for some reason sort of few niggly muscle injuries and um, you know there were a few players that didn't train for the bones of three weeks and I, I think at times that may be short in a, in a bit of rust but you know hopefully now the game will be on he did yeah he just picked up something on Tuesday night you know not a, not a serious injury or anything so just a muscle injury and you know he should be he should be good to go in a couple of weeks Jack the lads that come in off the bench made a bit of an impact oh, yeah absolutely they're experienced players like it's it's a great luxury to be bringing experienced men and um, David Moore in particular settled us down around the middle of the field and gave us a great base and uh, just used the lads used their experience to close out the game and not do anything foolish was there just anything in particular I suppose with Cork that uh, for that first uh, kind of 55 minutes was there anything in particular from their performance that was the, the driving force behind stifling you like in the, in the well they got a lot of men back obviously they, you know they, they set out their style they played with seven backs got a lot of bodies back behind in, in our half but we were we were quite loose with possession and that's where the, the rust I think of not having a game for five weeks came in we we kept I thought we kept Cork in the game for, for, for a long time in the first half by, by basically coughing up possession we, we, we coughed up seven balls inside the the attacking 45 and that was allowing Cork with the bodies they had back to counter-attacking numbers and that was leading to some of the frees that they got inside inside our scoring zone at the other end Alright, well yesterday was a decent performance by Cork against Kerry it wasn't enough to pull off a victory but I'm joined now by John McCarthy to reflect on yesterday's Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final Ger, how are you? I'm not too bad I suppose and congratulations to you and your Kerry <laughs> brethren on your fantastic win there, I got it all the way Thank you, thank you. Uh, as we said, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad performance at all, and uh, a decent game. And for fifty-five minutes, it would, I mean, there was, I think, there, it was uh, eleven points to ten. Was it at uh, one stage around the the fiftieth minute? Um, a few standout players for Cork as well, particularly in defence. Um, I suppose, what were you most impressed uh, with by the Rebels? Um, I guess the fact that they made a match of it for three quarters of the game that a lot of people thought they were going to get blown away. In. I suppose that's the first thing. There was a solidity about their defensive setup. Um, there was times when they had 15 behind the ball and maybe other times when only Sherlock and Hurley were left up front. But I suppose the, the, the real bonus from a Cork supporter's point of view, if there is any, um, look, it was it was a disappointing result. 23 points to 11 is never easy to look at. But the performances of Sean Potter and Ian McGuire and Morris Shanley, a lot, a lot of guys there that hadn't, you know, played a lot or even trained a lot because of injuries and came in and did an effective job. So you have to believe that if they get another two weeks or maybe three and they stay injury-free, hopefully, that they'll be ready for the qualifiers. So it was a bonus to have those players back. Losing Michal Martin and Kevin Flav to injury, though, is a real blow for Carr mm. because um, 
Cork had already lost Chris Kelly, their second goalkeeper. And, you know, when you lose your number one goalkeeper as well, and Flav did such an effective job last night. He was really, really good before he was forced off injured. We don't know the extent of that injury just yet. Hopefully it's not too serious. Look, Cork can't afford to lose too many of their, their you know, their go-to guys. Um, the depth of the squad just isn't there yet in terms of experience or age profile. But I guess from a Cork point of view, look, after all the hullabaloo about where the game should be played, there was you know, over t- nearly 11,000 people there. Um, it was a decent spectacle for three quarters, but once Kerry brought on their, you know, their, their all-stars and a few really experienced players from off the bench, the final 10, 15 minutes was hard viewing, to be quite honest. It was difficult, and you could see that Kerry were just that bit more clinical, that bit classier. And I suppose from their point of view and Jack O'Connor's point of view, you know, you get the win, you win by the margin that you did, and you move on. Um, it's exactly what Jack O'Connor would have wanted, a, a, a good victory, a test for as much of the game as possible before they head on to the Munster Championship. Yeah, like you were saying there with the guys like Ian Maguire and, and Sean Potter, and we were speaking to John, Clear, John Cleary after the game, and they obviously were not fit, but they put themselves in, in that starting lineup. They wanted to play... And that's massive in terms of getting a crowd behind you. That can really bring supporters on your side. And there's a you could I could sense it after the game. Like it's strange. I know we were walking out a lot later than everyone else as well. But like there's a lot of people talking about. I, I heard a, a, a guy walking out and he's there with his daughter and they're on about where where where's the qualifier going to be on? The, the the she wanted to go watch the qualifier. Like which is like after watching the team be beat by twelve points, it's a pretty good reaction. But like when you see players put their bodies on the line like that when they're only maybe seventy percent fit and are willing to go out and try and put it up to that Kerry side where it's very easy for a player to. Ian Maguire could have just gone nah I'm not fit but no he wanted to play like that's massive in terms of getting a crowd on your side it is and I suppose look it, it's very easy to be ultra negative about Cork football right now they're in transition they barely stayed in Division 2 they weren't expected to beat Kerry at all last night so it was a question mark was would the Cork supporters come out uh, and they did we were commenting that it looked 50-50 in terms of crowd uh, that, that was in there, which was refreshing and was good and something to build on. But the reality, of course, is that, as you said, this Cork team, you know, the players that were carrying the injuries, they, they were never going to have enough depth or quality to beat Kerry. So what were they going to do that would give the real Cork supporters and the ones that understand that the transition is ongoing? It might take another year. Um, what can they do to you know to to show what they're made of? And Sean Powder, like he put himself about like he always does, um, and in that sweeping role that he was deployed, and I thought he did a fantastic job. Really got stuck in, and I think he helped raise the crowd, as did McGuire, um, as did uh, Kevin O'Donovan and Mara Shanley at the back as well, and Kevin Flav, as we said before, he went off injured. But even more encouragingly, uh, and this isn't really grasping at straws. When you look up front, Stephen Sherlock had another you know, one of those games where he didn't get a lot of ball, but he was still one of Cork's most effective forwards. And Kyle O'Mahony, kicking three points from open play, um, and each one of them an absolute brilliant score from distance. You know, he's another one now that Cork can, can build on. And coming off the bench, I have to mention Dylan Foley as well, the goalkeeper, like being thrown in at the deep end, it wasn't easy for him. And he made a fantastic save to deny uh, Clifford a goal as well at one point. So look, a lot of the players that have been blooded during the National League campaign which was not easy at the best of times and Cork beat the two teams below them that got relegated and held off awfully to say up to go out in a Munster Championship against a serious All-Ireland contender um, with you know the, the spine of your team most of them carrying injuries or not having trained properly or being able to train properly coming into it 
that's that there's positive to be taken from that. And the thing is, Aidan, like at a time as I said, when it's so easy to kick Cork senior football, it's so easy to have a cut off the footballers, the management, whatever. I think the re- the people that have been following Cork football for the last two or three years and don't just focus on the aftermath of a bad defeat can see what Keith Rickon is trying to do, can see what John Cleary is doing. The guys that were successful at minor and under 20, it takes time, it takes that valuable commodity, maybe two, three years to actually find your feet and become effective at senior football on the physical side of it and just the smart side of it. You could see last night with Kerry, with Paul Gainey coming on um, and you could see with Sean O'Shea and Stephen O'Brien, like the runs they were making, how they were unlocking you know, a mass defence towards the end there was just so impressive. And when you've Clifford inside, even though he was well marshaled, I thought he played really well because he just makes, he's smart enough to make that space for the other forwards to exploit. But from a Cork point of view, look, the qualifiers is coming up. It, there's no really easy draw. I've been writing for the Echo, an article coming out this week, analysing all the potential opponents. It's not easy. There's no easy game for Cork. But the long road to get Cork back to being competitive at provincial and then hopefully at all earning level, it's going to take time. And unfortunately, we may have to experience another year, not of the, the hammering on the scoreboard that we witnessed last night, but certainly another year for those young players to come in and bed in um, and make a mark. Yeah, like that's that, that's the difference. Like we were saying that yesterday uh, when we were talking after the game. Like Cork are playing Division 2 football, Kerry are coming in off the back of playing and winning Division 1 and playing Mayo in a rip-roar in Croke Park where they shot the lights out and they were just flying and absolutely blew Mayo away, uh, totally away from it. Um, like there's such a different level but uh, like that jump is, is huge and mm-hmm. the fact Cork stayed with them for, for so long uh, was uh, I suppose a surprise a pleasant surprise but it, it was good to see but just the running power of Kerry like Gavin White um, Dermot O'Connor Jason Foley these guys are serious athletes but it's not just probably in the gym and and on the training pitch that you get that conditioning. It's that playing those high level games. That's kind of where I suppose that bit of match match sharpness comes from as well. Yeah, that's something we we we, we interviewed Jack O'Connor afterwards. We were there listening to him, and he mentioned rustiness a couple of times, which was interesting. I think it had been five weeks, if I'm not mistaken, since the since the Mayo win. Maybe it was a bit less, but even at that. There was a bit of there was a lack of match sharpness in that first half performance from Kerry. I'd be honest enough to admit that, and I think that helped Cork to an extent. But Aidan Kerry are on, a, are on a different journey to this Cork team. Yeah. The life cycle of this Kerry panel is you should be challenging for an Ireland if not winning it this year, and that's a different kind of pressure for Jack O'Connor and his players to deal with because you know you you win the national league in the manner that you did, you blow away Cork, you if you win your Munster provincial title and it's still an if um, then your two matches or sorry three matches from winning an All-Ireland but we've seen this before from Kerry there's been in recent years when things were going well you beat Tyrone in the National League blew away and Tyrone found a way to come back so there is that there's a different kind of pressure on the Kerry team compared to Cork right now Cork are expected to get back up to an acceptable level where they're challenging the top dogs and to do that as you rightly said they've got to get back into Division 1 that's going to take time but for Kerry the window of opportunity is, is now it's this year if you're playing that well if, you're, if you've got the talent that you had coming off the bench the depth of the talent is there a manager I think the players have bought into he's won, been there done that I think everything is in place to go and win an All-Ireland but as you know it ain't that easy and it's not that straightforward and I know Kerry fans last night even coming out I was listening to him talking about 
Dublin talking about who might come out of the north uh, just yet. It it it, it is a path to an All Ireland title that that is paved with danger. Um, but I think because Kerry have learned from their previous loss to Cork, like they showed last night, and I think because Jack O'Connor is the man in charge now, that this is the year that they're go- they're going to go on and do it. But it is go- not going to be as easy, I think. And some Kerry, not all Kerry supporters, will give some of them credit, and some Kerry supporters are thinking it's not going to be easy at all. But certainly this Kerry team is capable of winning it all-earned. One can only hope, Ger. Um It's all, all yeah, eyes that uh, all eyes on the qualifier draw now, though for Cork. And as you said, uh, you're doing your piece uh, for the week to yeah. see all the permutations there and um, an open, wide open draw, of course. Uh, so that's going to be a, a very important draw. I don't think it'll probably be the most viewed draw in the history of Cork GA because uh, it'll be very important to, if if you can get a beatable team to win a game this year would be huge. It would, and I think what it would do more, and that's a good point, Ed, I think more than anything, the boost it would give for next year would yeah. be the thing. But Cork could yet be drawn against one of Tyrone, Mayo, Armagh, the losers of Dublin or Meath, and the losers of Derry Monaghan, Clare or Lowe, or possibly, depending on the Limerick Tipperary results, uh, there might actually have to be a preliminary round in the, in the, in the qualifiers, and we won't get into that because it's just too complicated. But whatever way you look at it, um, I've written in the Echo this week as well that from my point of view, people will immediately look at Clare and Lowe and say, oh God, I hope we draw them. Well, that's all well and good. But Clare came to Parky Cueve a couple of months ago and earned a deserved draw. There are no, no pushovers whatsoever and they were only beaten in the Munster Championship on penalties uh, this past a couple of weeks ago there. And in Cullum, you know, Cullum Collins is a fantastic manager. And as for Lowe's, they are probably looked upon uh, as the whipping boys of this draw but look who's in charge of them Mickey yeah. Hart and they've got two consecutive promotions they won the Division 3 title in Crow Park beating Limerick this year so it's, look uh, as you said if Cork could get a victory and I actually think Cork always seem to play better against counties that they're not expected to win against like mm. even last night now I know it was a heavy defeat but being a favourite or perceived favourite going against Clare Lowe's I don't know if that would do them any good but look you I, th- I think John Cleary would take either of those uh, as a potential opponent. As for the others, as for where it's going to be played, there's lots of questions to be answered and all of that. But as you rightly said as well, like this qualifier draw is is wide open and it's reduced down this year because there's no Division 3 or Division 4 teams in it just yet. So, look, it's the cliche. There's, got, there's, just, there's no easy games anymore this championship, as it should be. But a victory, however Cork would manage it in a qualifier, would be massive but for the following year and something to build on. Mayo and Parky Rin. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not going to join that <laughs> just yet <laughs> as to where the game will be played because unfortunately there are questions. I think June the 4th and 5th, that weekend is the weekend that the opening round of qualifiers is scheduled for. So the question is, because of the Ed Sheeran concert, would Parky Cueve be ready if Cork were drawn at home? Um, and I don't know the answer to that, but my understanding, and it's just my understanding, and I'm open to correction, is that Cork and the Parky Creek pitch needed six weeks after the, after the Sheeran concert. So that that falls inside that time frame. So, oh, I don't know. I don't want another Parky <laughs> Ring or no air debate. I don't think anyone in Cork does, to be honest. But um, irrespective of where it's played, look, I think realistically, irrespective of where it's played or who the opponent are, if Cork under John Cleary and the management team can put in 
another decent shift, another decent performance, give a good account to themselves. Somehow we could win, which would be fantastic. But even at that, just give something to build on for next year. That's the key thing. There's got to be st- there's got to be step small steps here, but give the fans and I think themselves some encouragement and something to build on for the following year's championship. I- I'd certainly take that for now. Absolutely great stuff, Joe. Thanks a million, and uh, yeah, we look forward to that uh, qualifiers draw. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, Mayo and Parker in for me. I think I'd absolutely love that fixture. It'll be unbelievable. Uh, coming up later on, we hear from Johan van Gran. We react to Douglas Hall's win in the FAI Youth Cup. And uh, Sarah McKenzie previews the Miami Grand Prix. Don't go away. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. <laughs> Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7. Manchester City have beaten Newcastle in the main Premier League game of the day and they remain on course to win the title. Peter Smith reports from the Etihad. City 5, Newcastle at nil with City's variation in style proving hugely effective. The first goal owed much to aerial prowess. Sterling Nottingham with a far post. Goals 2 and 3 came from De Bruyne corners. The second goal ultimately scrambled in by Laporte. The third header from Rodri at the near post. Late goals from Foden and Sterling completing in stoppage time, making Manchester City 5, Newcastle 0. We heard earlier on that uh, Arsenal beat um, Leeds 2-1 at home. Leeds, 10-man Leeds, of course. Uh, Luke Ayling picking up a red card early in that game. They're now in four, fourth place, four points clear of their North London rivals Tottenham who they play on Thursday manager Mikel Arteta said it was an unnecessarily nervy end after starting the game so well the right uh, determination attitude quality we were at them uh, we didn't allow them to breathe we generated chance after chance scored two goals and we started really good after the sending off we should have scored the third goal Leeds are now into the Premier League's relegation zone following that defeat to Arsenal um, they've played for over an hour with 10 men of course and with the style they, pay, they play that probably didn't help uh, despite the loss manager Jesse March tells Sky Sports he was happy with how his team competed I felt like the preparation was really good yeah obviously we make some fatal errors and then you know we have to fight through the game and I will say that we did second half was very good and a big win for Everton, meaning they climb out of the relegation zone. Uh, they beat Leicester 2-1. Mason Holgate scored the winner as Frank Lampard's side moved a point above the bottom three. And uh, he said it was an emotionally charged afternoon. They all are at the moment. There's so much on the games. You know, the lads are fighting. We're fighting as a club together. And tough game, tough opponent, but thought we deserved it. Defended well, great resilience in the team. Still more to go. It's important to enjoy these moments, but realise that there's still a lot of work to be done. There was a massive game at Turner's Cross uh, earlier this afternoon and it was the FAI Centenary Youth Cup final. An all Cork affair. Douglas Hall were the victors. They defeated Ringmatton Rangers 3-2 thanks to a late converted penalty. Here's boss Derek Wilden speaking with John O'Shea. I mean, D- Douglas Hall manager Derek Wilden, um, how much does it mean to you supposed to win the, the FAI U Cup? Oh look, it's massive. It's like there's been a savage push with the, the players for the last the last two years really, you know, since they came together two years ago. It was just all about trying to win this, you know. Um, 
they're in they're in the business end for everything and but it's look they just really wanted to get over the line and the national cup was a big thing the club has never won one and if there was ever a team going to win one for the club it was this team yeah, they're phenomenal absolutely and just as well on your performance today after you came out to go two goals up uh, Rima hadn't come back into it and he straight late on for the penalty so uh, how, how, how do you assess your all just uh, we, we were a small bit patched together this week we had a lot of injuries for the last few weeks and um, you know we, we got guys that were on the physio table for the last two weeks they, they got together a few of them broke down a bit earlier than we planned but look they did enough to get us over the line look I knew Rima were going to be a good competitor we played him earlier in the league I've seen him playing so many times um, I knew they were going to come back at us but it's, it's how we, re- we react when we score how we react when we concede how we react and that's what it's all about Yeah, and I think even from an ab- from the neutral's perspective looking as well it was a great a great final with two cock clubs I mean it was a good advert for I suppose cocker or soccer on these yeah. as a game look as a, as a game the way finals are a lot of times they're scrappy and you know there wasn't there wasn't great football played like there probably is for the rest of the campaign but it was all about getting over the line today you know and it doesn't matter how you played or whatever it's all just getting over the line getting the trophy and you know we didn't we didn't talk about once about the trophy we didn't talk once about winning it was all about just each game we take each game as it is even inside today at half time there's no we were no nearer the trophy you know it was just about getting through the second half winning each half and that's what we've done every game and that's all we keep doing yeah and Derek for the for Douglas Hall as a whole how, how much for the club as a whole does winning the U Cup mean to Douglas Hall oh it's massive listen any club winning a national cup at any age is massive so I mean look they'll go down in history now you know that's, that's what it's all about for these lads you know they probably don't realise it today you know it's probably in 10 years 20 years and 30 years you know that, that they'll realise what they've achieved here today you know yeah. so, like, it is like it's like a national cup final like in, in Turner's class of it it's probably something that yeah. it, it, it's, a, it, it's a fan memory that this group will always have like, oh listen they have that bond now for the rest of their life you know so no matter what they do whether they go play college league of Ireland or whatever they end up doing for the rest of their life you know they'll always have these things they'll always have these anniversaries of this in 10, 20 and 30 and 40 years time and they're a great bunch they deserve it they deserve everything they're getting this year Great stuff there from Derek Weldon, the Douglas Hall manager. Well done to them. Commiserations to ring Mahan Rangers. Uh, moving on to rugby, and uh, you'll have heard uh, Tomas O'Leary speaking last night uh, to Rory on the big red bench about what was an unbelievable game at the Aviva Stadium in the Champions Cup quarterfinal. Munster falling short after drawing 24 all after extra time with the reigning champions to lose and uh, then uh, Munster would go on to uh, suffer defeat uh, at the end of a place-kicking uh, tournament which is, I think the last time I saw it was... Um, the year Leicester were beaten by Leinster in the final, they they won their semi-final on on uh, on place kicks, and the rules were different then. But yeah, what an incredible uh, occasion it was, and uh, just heartbreaking for Munster. And uh, we'll hear now from a very emotional at times, Johan van Gran after yesterday's game. I think um, it's incredibly proud, uh, Mary. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, today was uh, what Munster Rugby is about. Um, to lose it like that, that's unfortunately sport. Um, that's the way the rules are. Um, somebody's got to kick it over and somebody's got to miss. Um, 
If ever there's a day that sums up uh, Munster Rugby, it's today. A community, 40,000 people traveling. Um, you're certainly one of the best rugby games I've been involved with. Um, I said to my wife there, um, <clears throat> from a feeling point of view, this was like the World Cup semi-final in 2015 that I was involved with, that we lost 28 against the All Blacks. Um, that feeling that you gave it... Uh, all you got, the players gave it all they got, um, management, staff, and then the people of Munster, they gave it all they got. Um, and then uh, you've got to know that this is a game, um, and uh, I think everybody associated with Munster Rugby will... Um, We'll be incredibly proud of uh, 23, 23 guys that uh, stood up and fought today. And um, now we left the hotel saying to the brave and faithful, nothing is impossible. And uh, I think uh, the way that our captain Peter Manny played, literally when um, his body couldn't anymore. Um, and then Jack Daly coming on to make his European debut in that cauldron um, I think that's that's the, the incredible thing about rugby is uh, it it gives you opportunities to experience things like um, what happened today and uh, I think the tough thing is a uh, great game of rugby could have won it on the final play of the game had one or two opportunities but it's gone now and um yeah, the sun will come up tomorrow morning. You, you mentioned the crowd there, like, you've experienced plenty of special occasions that must be right up there in your experience in the room. Yeah, I think that, I think, let's just stick to Munster, that's, that's far, by far most, the most incredible scenes that I've seen in terms of people giving it their all for this club. Um, last two weeks, was um, so special. It's right up there. Have you have you spoken to, to Ben and Connor yet? How are they feeling? Look, um, yeah, I've spoken to them. Uh, obviously, got it. Um, but as I've said a few weeks ago, we we all in, and uh, you you um, win together and you lose together. So. Um, you know, all you can ask is uh, guys to give it their all and, and that's what they've done through the whole season to put us in a position to come again against the European champions in a, in a cauldron like this. Um, nobody on the pitch, not the referee, uh, not to lose, not ourselves have ever been in a situation like that. Uh, we actually spoke in the week about um, the the possibilities, the extra time, the tries, and, and that was equal, and then the kick, the kick out. So we we were prepared for it. it comes down to literally a kick, and um, yeah, look, horrible way for the game to end from a monster perspective. Um, maybe just on Toulouse side, um, one of the true great European clubs, and. Um, yeah, all credit to them, and um, yeah, Munster to lose are certainly two incredibly special clubs to, involve, to be involved with.
And if I could just ask about two of the, the younger guys out there today. First, how was Ken Dillon, uh, his try, a couple of big turnovers on Antoine Dupont, and then Thomas O'Hearn, who came off the bench and looked to make an enormous impact. Yeah, look, um, whether it was uh, Olsey, um, we had a phenomenal few weeks at, at his age. Stephen Archer playing his 247th game. You know, Kendall or, or Thomas, uh, incredibly proud of them. Um, if I look at the, the last few years, how our guys have grown into, into this group. And um, yes, there's a lot of guys that... Uh, weren't available but we as a group haven't even spoken about that it's just the next man up and that's been the the mantra the last three seasons specifically and um, incredibly proud to to coach coach players like that um, and um, for them to experience things like this because you know the man on the street never goes through what these 23 men went through today and uh, it's something they'll remember for the rest of their lives and um now one one kick is the is the difference, and um, proud of him. Look, you you couldn't um, decide who's going to be taking it because you you didn't know who was going to be on the pitch. I mean, Connor just came on there for Zeebs with a few minutes to go. So um, I think composure was one thing that we were very good at today uh, from a from a game management point of view. We know. We, Got the kickers together. Uh, we went through who's going to take which one because uh, the chances that Connor was going to be on the pitch at, at the back end and Ben and Joey was very little and, and it happened. So we were well planned, well structured. All three gentlemen were comfortable and you know the whole squad's behind them. Yeah, and um, how would you kind of, how much of the job would it be to kind of regroup now and and refocus on the next two in two weeks' time and you've still got one trophy to play for. Yeah, Simon, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this one. This will be this will be one that we need to take our time with. Um you know, to to lose a game in this fashion, um when you've you've literally from a group point of view put your heart and soul into it, that stuff. Um so we'll we'll take our time. We're only gonna reconvene late next week. Um, you know, we've, we haven't given that any thought. We believe that we're going to win this game and, and move on to, to the next round next weekend. So we'll take our time. I think that's, the, that's also the beauty of sport and, uh, you know, the beauty of life is it, um, it gives you situations that you haven't faced before and we're in one of those now. And um, as you rightly said, we've, we've qualified for, for the URC playoffs. We're currently in second position and, you know, we are... We're going to be back here in two weeks' time as, as the away team against the, against the side that's top of the of the log and have already qualified. So, obviously, we'd, we'd like to have home quarter final advantage, but I'll give that some more thought later in the week. Yeah. When you do reconvene, what will be the positive messages from this performance that you take? I think so. I, mean, I think that's, that's as good as we've played in the last few years. Um, You've just got to be on the side of the pitch to see how big the Toulouse pack is. And um, they've got world-class players all, all across the pitch, and you saw that today. But uh, in terms of the 23 Munster men that played today, they were incredible. You know, whether it was the 247th game of the, or the first game, they gave it all they got. Um, I thought we had good variety in our game, that first line-out. 
I think everybody thought we got them all that and we built it on the back and scored a few phases later. Now, to lose, no strike back straight away. We, we, we as a group discussed that they might have one or two magic moments, which they did. I thought the try just before half-time was, uh, was class from, from our side uh, in terms of using the opportunity. Uh, then I thought we, we defended our goal on pretty well, went, went I think it was 10 up and, and then they came back and, and then it was a pressure game and we forced the penalty and, and that was just, I think it was just to the left if I, if I can remember correctly. So yeah, that was from a performance point of view, again, that's, that's all a, a coach can ask for is to deliver a performance and, and I think some of the semi-finals we've been in before, we, we, we haven't um, um, played for the full 80. Today we played for the full 100 and um, all credit to the team. Can I just ask one more? Um, can you talk a bit more about Peter and his impact in the four turnovers um, and a whole lot more besides? Yeah, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to, to coach um, a few warriors in my life um, and I'd say Pete is right up there in terms of being a warrior and what it means to the team um, is a man of action um, and uh, you know he he um, continued in Europe after that extra game into this game he was phenomenal and uh, sometimes um, from a warrior perspective your, your mind is still willing but but your, your body gives way and his, his body gave way and I think from a respect point of view um, it's one of those players I'll, I'll look back upon and um, say he was a warrior yeah incredible uh, interview there from, from Johan van Graan after uh, last night's or after yesterday's uh, defeat to Toulouse um, especially there at the end talking about Peter O'Mahony. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see the game live as I was uh, had to be in Parky Rain. I was following it on Twitter and stuff and uh, insane stuff, watching some of the videos back now of the atmosphere and the Aviva was unbelievable. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, two games played outside of the, the two grounds yesterday uh, because of concerts and uh, they both went off pretty well in the end after all the hullabaloo about them. Uh, Leinster's Heineken Champions Cup semi-final against Toulouse will take place at the Aviva Stadium again. Uh, Toulouse going back there uh, Saturday 14th of May at 3pm. The other last four clash will be Racing 92 and Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle on the Sunday of that weekend and they say that the French teams don't care about the Champions Cup but there's quite a lot of them in the last four uh, three of them are French uh, so um, yeah uh, very much uh, likely to be a French winner there on this uh, Leinster can fend them all off and uh, and take back uh, a title they haven't won for a couple of uh, years, um, yeah. Moving on now to Formula One, and tonight sees the first ever race at the new Miami Grand Prix track. Um, I don't know whether it's just I. I wouldn't even know how to describe it to you. Uh, there's fake, fake water and everything uh, on the side of the track. Yeah, I've watched some of the videos uh, from from the Sky F1 team, and uh, it looks fairly wild in Miami. And I know a lot of the drivers are delighted that they're in Miami uh, they've been pushing for a race there uh, for, for a long time Lewis Hamilton I think is probably the most vocal about trying to get a race 
in Miami and of course there's also a race in Las Vegas as well uh, next year uh, so it's uh, yeah F1 really starting to take off in America once again and recovering from the, the fiasco of 2006 in Indianapolis uh, it's been a long road back but three races now in the US and Formula 1 is very very strong there again and to preview tonight's Grand Prix uh, we spoke to our uh, resident uh, F1 expert and the Women in Sport podcast with Jeremy McCarthy. That's out every Thursday, by the way, on redfm.ie. And uh, Sarah's talked us through what we can expect tonight uh, in Miami. All right, delighted to say that I'm joined by Sarah McKenzie, head of tonight's Miami Grand Prix. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely excited to, to chat about it. Yeah, it's a, it's exciting. I suppose first race on a new track. Um, I haven't actually been able to see it uh, much. I've only watched some of the highlights of, of qualifying. Tell us, tell us about the track. Do you think it'll make for good racing tonight? Yeah, I mean, beforehand, a few of the drivers had done simulated, um, you know, a couple of simulated runs, and they said it should be good for overtaking. There's kind of a good mix of long straights where obviously they're going to pick up a lot of speed, and then some twisty kind of corners as well. So I think it'll be interesting. There have been a couple of crashes already though. So I think there's definitely, there's there's that kind of challenge to deal with as well. And it seems like once you get off the racing line, your grip kind of completely falls off. So I think you're going to have to be pretty brave and very clinical if you are going to go around the outside to pull off any overtakes. So fingers crossed it won't be a crash fest, but I think could potentially be um, very good for overtaking. Yeah, it sounds like a safety car is likely so at some stage. Yeah. Um, Leclerc is on pole, um, of course, championship leader still. And uh, it's good to see Carlos Sainz P2 because he's not had a very good month or so. No, he really hasn't. Um, he And, you know, he crashed again on Friday in practice, which I think it was a collective kind of sigh from everyone. Just yeah. really feeling bad for him because he does have a lot of talent. He's been, like, extremely unlucky and... I think he did really, really well to pull himself back into P2. So again, we'd be hoping that he avoids what happened last time out where obviously himself and Daniel Ricciardo collided on the first lap and he had to retire. I'd love to see him actually finish this race and finish in a good position because I think he really needs that boost at this point. Yeah, like he's been unlucky and that has kind of forced errors from him then, I, then, I suppose, because he's, he's trying too hard, I guess, because he's trying to get, you know, he's trying to make it work. And mm. uh, you can tell, like, he, ha- he has been unlucky, but there has been moments where it is down to his own errors. Yeah, there have. I think, you know, he was recently confirmed as a signing for up to 2024. And I think that should have given him hopefully a bit more license to feel like he doesn't have to push himself over that limit, I think he he needs to be a bit more confident in his abilities in terms of what actually got him the Ferrari seat as opposed to almost proving that he should be there. So fingers crossed he can kind of get a bit of um, a bit of strong running in this weekend. Leclerc will be happy to have him because he will hopefully help stave off Max Verstappen, who's P3. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Verstappen again has been absolutely plagued with the reliability this weekend. He's had, you know, overheating problems. There was another hydraulic issue, which he's had already in the season. They had to switch his gearbox. So I actually think, to be honest, Verstappen's biggest challenge will be getting his car home. And if he can do that in a strong position, it'll be great for him. But I agree. I think if both sides and the car can keep their cars on the track over the first couple of laps where it's kind of the most chaotic, I think they could be in a really good position to just hold tough there and keep the Red Bulls behind them. 
Let's jump down to P6 then and Lewis Hamilton. Uh, yeah. Big improvement from, from the last couple of races. Um, is this uh, is it his highest or second highest start so far this season? Yeah, so there's definitely been some improvements. They have continued to bring upgrades to the Mercedes. They looked to have improved massively in the earlier free practice on Saturday. But I do think a lot of that had to do with the higher track temperatures. They seem to be it seemed to be easier to warm up the tires. The track was up to fifty four degrees at one point on Saturday. But as soon as the temperature kind of cooled off, they did see a drop in performance. So I think he's getting the best out of it, which up until now that's been George Russell has been kind of getting the best out of that car, whereas he's a bit further down this weekend. So it's nice to see Lewis feeling a bit more at one with Carr where obviously before he was like clearly very very disappointed and, and frustrated and of course his former teammate qualified ahead of him um, <laughs> two tenths in it actually in Q3 as well I'd say Bottas is pretty happy with that yeah I, I actually think it's going to be very interesting to see who ends up you know in front going to that first corner I would hope that they will be you know race smartly and that they'll they'll both make it through the first couple of laps but definitely won't be pulling any punches there I think uh, between those two if there are to, if there is to be a surprise like you said Verstappen's car might make it the whole way around with the look sciences having he might make it the whole way around if you were to tip somebody for a surprise podium who do you think that might be is it Valtteri Bottas I think maybe possibly Bottas I think the McLarens particularly in Lando Norris has been doing quite well as well obviously he managed to to get a surprise podium recently in third place so I actually think he could be you know that dark horse that is kind of chasing the front two teams this season and he definitely has the talent I think the, the potential is there in the car so again if he can keep his nose clean and you know stay within a decent range of the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, assuming they also stay out, I think he has a chance of potentially um, potentially grabbing a podium spot there. Well, it's going to be a really interesting race, a new track. It's always good to see, I suppose, and uh, a bit of bling as well, I suppose, being in Miami. So uh, should it should be a good one. Absolutely, yeah. It's always good when Michelle Obama shows up to uh, <laughs> to watch a Formula 1 race. Exactly. She wish she waving the checkered flag by any chance. <laughs> I don't know, actually. She might, you never know who she might be. Just surrounded by security, probably. <laughs> Excellent stuff. It should be a good one, Sarah. Thanks a million. Enjoy the race. Absolutely. You too. Yeah, you can hear from Sarah uh, every week on the Women in Sport podcast with Jeremy McCarthy. Thanks to Ronan for pointing out that I was wrong. It was 2005, not 2006, uh, when that fiasco in Indianapolis happened. That is it. Uh, if you missed us, you can catch up on redfm.ie or all major podcast platforms. Green on Red is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.